It's the Book Squad podcast, a production of Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network. On this edition, the two-book minimum features In the Woods by Tana French, Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward, The Colour Purple by Alice Walker, and Vern Yip's Design Wise, Your Smart Guide to a Beautiful Home. Later on, we're talking about In the Time of Butterflies by Julia Alvarez, as well as other news and updates from the Book Squad. And now it's over to our resident Lawrence Public Librarians and Book Squad gurus, Kate Gramlich and Polly Ken. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, are you yeah. doing well? Yeah, it's like winter again outside, though, which it's makes gross me out very there. sad. Yeah. I don't want to look out there. Mm-mm. I'll just look we'll straight just at turn, you during, oh, during the podcast. We'll just make really okay. good eye contact the whole time. Okay. So what's up? Bookish news. Yeah. Shall we get down to it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, first up, this just happened actually a couple days ago. The American Library Association Association Youth Media Award winners came out, and I'm not going to tell you all of them, but you There's can. A lot. Yeah, there was a lot, but you can look them up in the show notes. But the big winners um, were, were the Newberry Medal winner, which is goes to the most outstanding contribution to children's literature. That's The Girl Who Drank the Moon, written by Kelly Barnhill. And as it turns out, I have just like some friends who are associated with that really? author. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so mm, well, you know what? Stephanie's husband, Trevor, worked oh, right. on this book. This was his baby. We talk about Stephanie Anderson on this podcast mm-hmm. all the time. We do. <laughs> She's another librarian. But it was so, it added to the excitement Aww. to be on Facebook while the awards were coming out and to watch like all these librarians and publishing people lose mm-hmm. their minds with the excitement. So um, that book is, it's beautiful and gorgeous. You should get on hold for that. The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. Um the Caldecott Medal is for the most distinguished American picture book, and that book, um, the winner this year is Radiant Child, the story of young artist Jean-Michel Basquiat. I hope I'm not mangling that. I don't know if that's what Illustrated that is. <laughs> by Javica Steptoe. And then the Coretta Scott King Book Award, which recognizes African-American author and illustrator of outstanding books for children and young adults, is March, book three, by Mm -hmm. John Lewis and Andrew Idley, I think is that. Um, And actually, uh, um, John Lewis kind of cleaned up this year. He won four four different awards, and this is one of them. So, and if you haven't read the March... Graphic novels, they're fantastic, and, and everybody should take a look at I those. I think there's a big holds list on them now, which means we'll probably get extra mm-hmm. yeah. more copies. Get those books, because mm-hmm. they're amazing. Well, next, we've got, um, there's also the Penn slash Robert W. Bingham Prize for Debut Fiction, mm-hmm. which is one of the million Penn Awards. I think <laughs> Penn is broken into like 7,000 awards. Uh, but this one's for debut fiction, um, either a novel or a collection of short stories that were published in 2016 that represents distinguished literary achievement and suggests great promise, which is very nice. Uh Local boy Cody Smith um, is on the list for Hurt People, his novel, um, and he came to the library and did a reading. He is really good people. He 
was. He was really, really wonderful to listen to, and he's really funny. And uh, I know. Yeah. I hope it's. I hope that he wins. But also, but, there's oh, other books that yeah. we that we loved on the list. I wish they could all win. Let's just have them all win. <laughs> I want them to all win. Well, because the mothers by Britt Bennett, which you mm-hmm. read and you really liked, I um, loved it. Mm-hmm. and then Home Going by Yagi Yasi is also on there. Mm-hmm. There was a really, there was a lot of really good debut fiction. There was. So this was a great year for it fiction. It really was, and the fact that a local Kansas kid is on the list, which mm-hmm. is is pretty exciting. It is. Oh, what you have some news about Britt Bennett? Though. Yeah, she. I found out uh, through the library grapevine slash just the website for KC Public Library <laughs> that uh, Britt Bennett will be coming to I think the Plaza location um, on the fifteenth of February. So um, you can go to the KC Public Library website for more details on that. But that would be awesome. I think we should road trip. Yeah, I think we should road trip that one. We're also road tripping, possibly, to see Angela Davis. That's right. That should be we can't always be reading, though. You're right. Sorry. Rewind. Just <laughs> All right. Okay. And so one last thing um, for I would like to do things to get on hold for. And um, there's some things on the, the library reads um, list that I think people would be super interested in. Um Let's see. The big winner this month was I See You. That's Claire McIntosh. And that looks like that's a psychological thriller, Mm. which people are really into right now. I am. So if you're into any of those books that have girl in the title, you'll probably really. This one would be I See You, Girl. I See I wish that was the name. I wish he would have gone with that. I mean, she would have gone with that. Claire, you should have. You should have done that. Um. But, yeah, so you should definitely get on hold for that one. That was, like, the favorite of the Library Reads crew this time. Um, All Our Wrong Todays is on that list, and I've heard really good things about that. It's um, a time travel romp, and it's funny, and um, it takes place in, you know, 2016 and, like, and then an alternate 2016. So All Our Wrong Todays by Elon Mastai. But... Norse mythology. So I know people are like, what? Why is that on the list? But it's because Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. It's Neil Gaiman's treatment of Norse mythology. And so if you love Neil Gaiman, you should get your hands on this book. Uh, We Were the Lucky Ones is another one that looks like a a great book. Um, It's a Holocaust era book. And it's about the survivor. This a woman who learns she's a descendant and... um, and decides to tell the story of this family, of this group. And that is uh, We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter. Mm-hmm. And one other one that looked just really kind of interesting to me on the list um, was Setting Free the Kites by Alex George. And the reason I really liked that one is um, they they said it was reminiscent of Everything I Never Told You Ooh. by Celeste Ng, which that book. We both love. I know. It was, it was devastating. It was devastatingly awesome. Mm-hmm. I liked it. So, um, but this is with a boy instead of a girl mm-hmm. as the protagonist. So there's some like coming of age young man stuff. So those are the things that you should get on hold for. I think I've circled sure. I see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see you, girl. girl. <laughs> uh, for me to put on hold. So I'm putting a note for myself here. Okay. And you should get on Twitter and tell Claire she really missed an opportunity I will. there. Okay. I will. I'll invent a Twitter just to do that. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess that means it's time for two book minimum. All right. Two book minimum. So we talk about two books at the minimum. You get get to go first. I'll go first. And I'm Kate. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, the first one I wanted to talk about was In the Woods by Tana French. I kept calling Tana, but I think that... I think it's Tana. Yeah, I know. And Nick is Irish, so he knows. So <laughs> Tana French. Uh, I just talked about this one with my third Thursday book club. And um, it's, uh, according to the New York Times, it's required reading for anyone who appreciates tough, unflinching intelligence and ingenious plotting which sounds super smart and complicated, but I think it's also a pretty accessible, fast-paced read. Um, it's the first in her Dublin Murder Squad series, uh, which has five or six books in it now. Um, and this one focuses on uh, Detective Rob Ryan, who um, is assigned to a murder case with his partner Cassie Maddox. Uh, it's a child murder case. She's 12 and was found dead. Um, and... It's a standard sort of whodunit, but it's made more interesting uh, because Rob was actually uh, involved in a double child murder in the same exact small town as this one 20 years ago when he was 12. So oh. it's kind of like flashing back. Are they related? Are they not? And oh. that's all I can tell you without any spoilers. So okay. it was uh, it was nearly unanimous, unanimously liked. I think some people who don't really care for the gore or you know like mm -hmm. the thrillery sort of things were not really into it but the characters are the kinds that you really love to hate and so there was a lot of discussion going on there <laughs> who That's hated good. whom and you know we had some arguing which was which is what you want in a book club yeah now, discussion i feel like this i feel like tana french is an author that i do hear people who don't always read in this genre mm -hmm. um say they love these books anyway. Yeah. Like, like she's a person who could turn people into that genre, even if it's not normally their jam. I so. think that I got turned. Okay. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Cause I don't think mysteries are typically my jam, but she gets in these characters heads and then also gives such great descriptions of, of setting. And so it's really more like literary fiction around a mystery. Okay. So it's pretty neat. Okay. Um, and that was in the woods by Tana, Tana French. Jeepers. Uh, <laughs> the next one is uh, Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward, which will come out in uh, September of this coming year, 2017. Um, I think that my two book minimum segment could just be called the Jasmine Ward Fan Club uh, because last time or maybe two times ago, I talked about um, her collection of essays, The Fire This Time, which is nonfiction. And this one is a novel, um, which is... Uh, not coming out for what is it eight months from now so yeah. pretty early but you can't I'm, even get on hold for that no yet. no but just write it down and put it on your fridge uh i'm super excited she writes southern narratives like straight from the heart and she does some beautiful descriptions um and her books are always very emotional and you really get into the characters and um yeah, you get a really great feeling for him. This one is, um, it sounds really promising. It's a Southern Odyssey, and uh, it's basically described as a, the archetypal road novel. Um, and she's drawing on Morrison and Faulkner, the Odyssey, and the Old Testament, so a wide variety of, of things there. Um, it's a journey through Mississippi's past and present that is, according to the review here, both an intimate portrait of a family and an epic tale of hope and struggle, which is totally her jam. She's all about balancing hope and, and despair sort of in her novels. So 
That was Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward, and I'm really excited about it. What are good. you? That reading? sounds good. Actually, that's a really good segue oh, yeah. of the the hope and despair because um, the Color Purple by Alice Walker is the book that I am bringing. It's um, originally published in 1982. Mm-hmm. I think I might have read it in like 93, maybe, or something like that mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, and it killed me mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. And then it brought me back to life. Um, so there's that. That's what I... <laughs> if, that, description. <laughs> if that doesn't sell you, let me tell you some more about it. Um, it's actually told mostly through the voice of Celie, um, who dictates letters to God. It's in, um, a, you know, a dialect. And so you really hear her talking I love when you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the book opens with uh, her rape by her father and then the two children that she bears by him being taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, then she's given away in marriage to an older abusive man. And then she loses contact with Nettie who's her beloved sister yeah. and her bedrock. And then it goes downhill from there. <laughs> I mean, like it could, it just, it just drags you deeper. It just, it's just, you're getting dragged mm-hmm. when, when you're, when you're reading this book, but then it goes uphill mm-hmm. about halfway through this book. Um, you start to hear from Nettie um, and you, it's just, it just becomes really, um, I don't know. It's just like so many feels are in this mm-hmm. book like I, maybe it's the first book that I remember crying when I read Aww. it um so and if you so I guess I'm also really selling that if you like a cry <laughs> when you read um you might want to read this one but the I just love that the complexity of the characters like it seems like the characters are simple. They live in poverty. Mm-hmm. They're, um, you know, uh, most of the characters are not educated. So from the outside, they look very simple, but they're not. Um, they're very complex. And that slowly throughout this book, everybody who's been damaged starts healing mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, and I think that this, like, might have been my first sort of feminist awakening book because the the interplay and the relationships between the women who are, you know, pitted against each other, yeah. um, actually their relationships become the things that, that hold them up and, like, pull them out of the, pla- the broken places. And so um, The Color Purple... Alice Walker. So good. If you haven't read it. And actually, I mean, maybe people have seen the movie. And I actually, have not seen the movie. Oh, they do. Actually, they do a good job. They don't. It's not. It's not awful. Right. Yeah, that's what the, <laughs> I've, I've heard that if I um, it, I think if you watched it, you would you would get the gist of what the book is. But the book's lovely. Lovely. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I think I'm starting to develop this like thing where my two books are completely diametrically I'm opposed. I'm looking at them right other. now. They are. <laughs> So, um, next up, Vern Yip, <laughs> Design Wise. Vern Yip's Design Wise, your smart guide to a beautiful home. This came out just this last year, towards the end of this last year. And I'm just like, I'm a sucker for home design books. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I just like looking at them. They're beautiful. And 
oh, you know, we bought a house this summer, and mm-hmm. so I, we've just been living in it, trying to figure yeah, out, yeah, like the space. Talk to us, space. Tell us, you know, what you need. And Which so takes a lot of patience that I really admire. Mm, it's it's hard. I'm not, I'm not loving this part of it, but <laughs> I'm trying. I'm though. trying really hard. I'm reading a lot of books, but mm-hmm. this book I loved because I loved Vern Yip. I loved him on um, his HGTV show. Maybe he was on was a couple on, different shows. He was on Trading Spaces, Trading Spaces, right? yeah. With Paige. That was the woman's that's name. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, that sold me. I just love him. I think he's adorable. And, and he was always, like, the I thought the best part of the show. Mm-hmm. And his shoe choices. <laughs> the man can wear a pair of shoes, let me tell you. On the cover, he's wearing these Oxfords. Mm-hmm. That's, that's worth the price of admission right there. But anyway, um, this book, actually, I checked it out because I was checking out a bunch of them. But then I quickly decided that I was going to buy this book. Oh, I didn't know that. Actually, yeah, I'm going to buy this book because... Um, the thing about Vern is that he has a background in architecture, which really kind of yeah. sets this book apart because he takes uh, – there's a big part of this book that is like, you know, what height do you hang your paintings and, um, you know, what size rug do you need for what size room and um, where do your light fixtures go at your table and um, just – The furniture placement, like in relation, like how close should things be for how you're using the room. Um, So that's really like the key to design for him is that, um, you know, just um, that colors will come and go, styles will come and go. But like what we find as humans, like proportion, like proportionally Mm -hmm. visually appealing, um, that kind of stays stable Mm -hmm. over time. And so he just has like these huge, it's the, you know, several pages of where, you know, sizes, there's sizes of couches and sizes of chairs and where things go. What kind of size, what size table do you need to go with what size couch and where do you place it? And yeah, so it's a really, that's to me, it's a, a buy Mm -hmm. because it has a really, has great um, reference. And so the, and the bonus, Mm -hmm. like the best part of this book is that it's Vern's, um, Vern has three houses (laughs) that he, (laughs) I can't, I think one was in Atlanta one was in a part, in a part, a small apartment in New York. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think Florida was their uh-huh. like, other home. So you get like the whole book is just filled with his homes and yes. how he's designed them. And um, and then his like adorable two children and his husband. And then they have these like massive dogs. Yeah. The dogs have their own. There's one like little section where the dogs have their own room. They have oh. their own little thing with all of their own tennis balls and I mean it was just adorable my cats would love them um, yeah that's not happening at my no, house but, but I it was lovely to look at and everything was proportional how high <laughs> are you supposed to hang your paintings um actually you're supposed to hang your the midpoint of your painting should be I've seen 57 to 60 inches from the ground from the gr- oh Mm-hmm. And then, but then that's the thing about this book is I see that, but then like what happens if you have other architectural right. features in the room that you, and he tells you how to deal with these other that's architectural nice. features as well and gives you, but, but yeah, you should hang, um, you your, measure the your pictures yeah, uh-huh. to the midpoint of the picture. It, that's where it goes. So Yeah. I've been hanging my pictures too high. Oh, wrong. Well, although I do appreciate that because I'm a very tall person. You are a very tall person. I think that that's where I was wondering is if Mm -hmm. this is... 
You could probably you can hang them at the ceiling, and I'd be like, "That's a great, that's, that's a, a good great height picture." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You midpoint at the, on the ceiling <laughs> is where I like the midpoints of my paintings. Well, anyway, Vern Yip, pick it up, get Buy on hold it. for it, do whatever. <laughs> it's it's worth it's worth it. Nice. All right. This is She Said, She Said, in which we go toe-to-toe over a shared book and try not to give you all of the spoilers. Right. What are we talking about this time? This time, we're talking about Julia Alvarez's In the Time of the Butterflies. Um, and the reason we're talking about it is because that this is the um, big read selection for the Read Across Lawrence mm-hmm. program that's happening um, during the month of February. So we really wanted to get a jump on that and read it. This book originally came out in 1994. Um, so let's see. It doesn't read like that, though, I no, guess. No, it doesn't. It's a historical fiction piece, but sometimes you can kind of tell, even if it's historical fiction, that it's written along right. like 20 years ago. No. This one, this one, I thought it was written in the last like five years because I don't know. Yeah, I don't know things. Well, so. it was. Um, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about like what made it feel really current. I mm-hmm. think so. I'll I'll just give I'll give a little summary out of the book. Okay. That's um, the story. It's based on the real lives of the Mirabal sisters. Um, should I say what happens to them? Yeah, it's right. Yeah, it's right on the it's back right of the book. book. Yeah, you got um, it. Three of whom were slain by agents of the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. dictator Trujillo. Their story is told in brief sections, each narrated by one of the sisters. Um, what? So, yeah, I mean, that's all I'm going to say about that, yeah. actually. That's all you really need to know. So it's, um, it's very good. It's, um, very... Well, there's the three sisters that were slain, and then there was the surviving sister there, yes. who was not. And that, to her, you know, she's in the, the flashback parts of the story, but she's also speaking from 1994. She's speaking from the current Present time. Mm-hmm. Um, someone comes to interview her about the sisters, um, and I guess that happens regularly, In they were killed November 25th, and so every November... Um, people come to interview her, and it gets less and less every year. But um, a woman comes to interview her, and so that's kind of where the story picks up. Um, it's, it's you're right. I think that it reads really sort of contemporary. It's you know, there's a lot about the the. Tr- I mean, she doesn't come right out and state anything specific. She just tells the story of the Trujillo regime, and you just see how insidious like mm-hmm. things become it's you know it starts here and uh, little bits little of freedom mm-hmm. yeah little bits of freedom taken here and there um you know things that you know just things that happen where you would be like what you know what i mean like that and then but that's just the beginning you mm-hmm. know and then like just more and more um you see freedoms being taken away you see um changes being made People disappearing. Yeah. People disappear all the time. Yeah. Um, p- prisoners being, you know, people being imprisoned for political reasons. Um, and then those prisoners just you have no record of them anymore. There's no mm-hmm. record of them. So, um, so that was interesting because that was all, I mean, all of that is all true. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that happened is, you know, it's based on on this true story and i it's i didn't not know i did not know anything about that yeah i learned a lot in this book which is how i like it to be yeah for historical fiction right 
Um, the thing I like, the thing that I liked a lot is the interplay between the four sisters. And I like the inner, I really liked the, this watching the sisters grow up and become mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually, I thought that was really sweet. But that act, that made it more poignant to me too, knowing what was going to Their happen uh-huh. to the sisters, knowing what the, the loss was going to be. So, you know, you're building throughout this book and you're just, you're getting more and more attached and more and more in love with these characters. And, but you know, you know at the end, at the end, what's going to happen. Right. That's hard. It's so, yeah. <laughs> but she also keeps you going. Like you want to, you want to know what happened next, even though you do know the end of the right the book and well, the end of their story. But um, I, I really, I liked that the characters, the chapters sort of alternated between the sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like books with multiple narrators. I think it's nice because you can get to know a character and then not. You know, like it kind of leaves you wanting more. Like, what's the rest of their story? Oh, it takes off from this one. Um, I I think she did a really great job um, developing the characters uh, and really showing you how they were growing up and how their minds were changing and how they they fell into um, their roles in society and their roles in their families. Uh, and my favorite character is Maria Teresa or Mate. Um, she's, she does a journal throughout it and it's like the secret notebook and she starts the first entries are when she's 10 and then she goes into, um, you know, her adult or her adolescence and then into her adulthood. And I just think that you can so see how this, just this tiny baby child, you know, mm-hmm. starts becoming really self-conscious like teenagers do. And then, you know, finding that she's attracted to different people and stuff. And then, you know, finding out about like darker secrets about society and she really takes you right through right mm-hmm. through her character which is yeah because stuff you know she includes things in her diary that she doesn't know are significant mm-hmm. but it's a snapshot of where the regime is as well yeah you know she doesn't understand their significant at some point she understands that sh- her diary needs to be hidden uh-huh. that 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 it would be trouble for the and family. Sadly, she learns that at such a young age. I thought that was actually something. I mean, the that was the thing that was interesting to me. And I don't, I didn't know if it was the Dominican Republic and the culture of the the Dominican Republic. I didn't know if it was that it was the 1940s and 50s. Mm-hmm. But like those girls were, they were old yeah. always. You know what I mean? Like they were just they were very grown up. They were very grown up. I mean, in the expectations of them. You know, the oldest sister got married at 16 uh-huh. and it was and had babies. right? Yeah. Then. And it was um like it wasn't like a unusual thing. Like mm-hmm. that was an expected thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I know, you know, women used to get married younger and have children younger, but that just seemed like extremely younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was really that was. Yeah, they were taking on so much. I mean, mm-hmm. the youngest sister died when she was 25 right like you like i mean you're what you're like you're reading this journal all the way that's mate and you uh-huh. read the journal all the way and you're like wow she's really matured and then you realize no she's only 25 she's only 25 and already has kids mm-hmm. and yeah and just has had to grow up so fast yeah so the one thing that i thought too because then afterward after i finished the book i went you know we read the the material at the end of the book and we mm-hmm. read some extra material and I, I mean, I get that. The one thing that they, I don't know that was explained very well, or I, maybe I just didn't pick up on it, but how 
like the mirror Mirabal sisters were like I don't know like this like figureheads of mm-hmm. the of the revolution mm-hmm. in some way and I didn't quite I wasn't quite drawing the line between what I was reading about them and the fact that they were like so big in the revolution that they you know Trujillo ordered yeah. them to be executed like um because sne- it seems sneakily like, executed, yeah. you know, not not as prisoners, but um, and maybe that was maybe Alvarez was going for that. Maybe Alvarez was trying to make it like these are just, you know, these are just regular women. That's these what it are, felt like, right? These are just. This could be you. This could be you living in a regime like this, um, you know. And this might be, this could be the trajectory of your life if you were just a person living in this kind of regime. Yeah, because it wasn't like they were doing like major speeches or doing anything like that. They no. weren't. They didn't seem to be figureheads. I don't even think they knew they were figureheads until right. until it was that like the end and then when they people would say viva la mariposa, uh-huh. you know. And so then I was And they're like, like, "Oh, shoot, you know who I am." <laughs> <laughs> right. Um the butterflies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't I thought I thought it was good. I thought you and I both had the same experience of um, we really liked the book, but it was it was it was kind of a, a like a it's heavy a richer read yeah like yeah you just, that's a good way to put yeah it. you just you were like reading and reading and then you're like I'm still in the middle you know and and you want to keep going yeah but you yeah. just I think like so much happens and so much is in there and the descriptions are so rich that it's not I wouldn't say it's a fast read so if you're gonna pick this up and you want to come to any of the book discussions. Give yourself a little extra time. Yeah. And you will want to anyway because it's just mm-hmm. a lot to absorb. But there I are guess. some books that I feel like the pages are thinner or something because <laughs> when you pick this book up, it's, you know, of average You're right. size mm-hmm. for a paperback. But woof. I mean, yeah, I was halfway through and thinking, I've been reading for hours and I was just halfway through. But right. it's just because you're taking in so much information and mm-hmm. your brain is growing as you're reading, I think. So yeah. so it was it was a good one. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it, and I think it's a good one that people will want to talk about. So I think so too. You know, we which is good because we've got lots. Yeah, of talks we, about we will it. have a lot of library book discussions, and we'll put the links um, in the show notes so mm-hmm. that you know where to find one. Nick will but, because um, he's great. Because Nick's awesome. Hi. But the, but yeah, that this is a this will be a good one to talk about with other folks. I think. Well, and uh, I didn't know until the end of the or until the afterward or whatever the extra materials that uh the united nations declared november 25th which was the day of their murder um that's international day for the elimination of violence against women and that actually kicks off a 16 days of activism against gender violence um which ends on december 10th which is human rights day um and it's just so powerful that these just three sisters who you just get to know as being you know Mm -hmm. Well, four sisters. Four sisters. Wait, don't forget the I'm, four sisters. Yes, you're right. <laughs> These three sisters plus one mm-hmm. sister. Plus one sister. <laughs> because they all they all came to be involved in the revolution in mm-hmm. some way. And yeah. they're all in their own way, for all for different reasons. But they all got involved at right. some point. Yeah. So yeah. this is a, it's pretty powerful. It is. It is. Pretty powerful book. So the question, do we want to ask this question? We Do we want to just put it out there? We can put it out there. And people, it? Yeah. So one of the questions was, you know, should writers be writing to change the world? Like, should pol- some political change or, you know, political action be 
related to works of fiction. Do politics have a space in fiction? Yeah. And I say, heck yes. Yeah. But I also... It doesn't have to be. No, they don't have to be. I think... Yeah. But I think some of our best fiction comes out of times when we have political unrest. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when the The best best art art gets made. Yeah. And there's usually some... Maybe some political stuff in there. I mean, you're capturing the struggle of, mm-hmm. of people. So a lot of dystopian stuff, stuff in sci-fi mm-hmm. and fantasy that are like allegories for what's happening. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned, folks, because yeah. I think there's some good art about to be made. I think so too, and I think I think this would be just a nice book group question: is to ask mm-hmm. if writers should be writing to change the world. Do writers have an obligation to do that? On some Mm. level or, you know, I mean, I guess you could argue either way. Yeah, that would be, that's a good question. It's a big thinker. That is a big thinker. But I think that's a good question. I like, I like the question is, are they obligated to? Mm -hmm. Should you use the voice if you are, if you have power of being published, should you use that for a specific cause is my question. I don't know. Right. Well, I think not obligated. Because I still want to be able to read my yes. historical yes, romance books read, yeah. that don't have to do with anything other no. than the fact that I need to go to sleep in 30 minutes <laughs> and I just need to relax my brain. So um, so not every book. No. But even, you know, some of like my favorite, like Courtney, Courtney Milan, I'm going to throw this in. Mm-hmm. Courtney Milan, if you like romance, she writes really smart historical romance. And they're all with a feminist those, bent. With, there's, it's all feminist and there's always something in there Mm -hmm. that I think you're like, Oh, I'm glad that she covered that. Yeah. So So all right. All right. Well, that's, I think it's time for us to get to, we We can't always be reading. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what are we up to non reading wise this week? Well, we did some. Mm. We did some marching. Did some marching last week in Topeka. We did a little marching around. Well, mostly um, we stood. Mostly we stood around. We rallied. We rallied. Yeah, was that was the women's. Yeah. We should say what that was. Yeah, it was the. <laughs> <laughs> we could say that we went to the Topeka Women's March, and mm-hmm. um, it was really, it was really beautiful to see so many people actively engaged in democracy. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people. Thousands of people. And then the the thing for me that I thought was really beautiful is that um my my daughters went mm-hmm. and they were they were happy to go, but they weren't quite sure why, you know, mm-hmm. why they were going. And then they got there and then they saw so many other people, you know, had the same sort of concerns um that they had and things were important to them as well. But I think the real thing that was um interesting to them or really moved them is that when we got home and that night the picture started rolling in and the numbers yeah. started rolling in for marches all over the world and then they were like oh we're part of, part of this yeah of this larger oh, I was looking at yeah oh this you know there's this is and so like i can say that this is this is what democracy is like you are actively living in a time where we are actively you know, engaged in democracy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then I quoted Hamilton to them. Of course you did. How lucky we are to be alive right now. Uh. I don't know if they <laughs> if they thought I was using that correctly, but I, I think it's um, 
don't know if teenagers ever agree with that. <laughs> I think uh, I think we're living in interesting times, and I think there I'm I'm sometimes worry, but I also am so grateful for um, all of the people who are actively engaged. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's what I did, and then but mostly when I wasn't doing that, I was like having I was hibernating. Mm-hmm. We have a nice house for that. I was having um, the house that we bought that Vern Yip is going to tell me how to design (laughs) has a fireplace, which is something I've always wanted my whole life. And we never had a house with a fireplace. And so I've just been sitting in front of the fire a lot. Even when it's like 57 degrees, I'm like, maybe we can have a little fire tonight. Yeah, just Just do a little fire. Just a little bit. So um, that's kind of what I've been doing. And then I, because I was sitting in front of the fire... Then I started rewatching West Wing. Yeah, I was just watching the West Wing, and then I'm going to get caught up on the podcast, which I know I I think I mentioned that like on our first show we did full circle. This is show number five. It is. P.S. By the way, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I might have talked about that the first time, but now I'm back there again. Good. Good. Just watching the West Wing. Well, that's what you always (laughs) always should be doing. That. What you been up to? Uh, Also marching. Um, I also. I have a note here to myself that says, bring the CD you've been listening to. And I don't have it because I forgot. But Gosh, it's darn it. Julia Jacqueline. And uh, if I would have brought the CD, I would tell you the name of the CD. But, you know, Nick can figure that out for us <laughs> later because he's wonderful. Yay, Nick. Uh, it's um, singer-songwritery, which I really like. It's a really nice voice. Um, one of my favorite singers is Nico Case. Um, oh, I love Yeah, her. I knew. And because uh, she's the best, because she she's the best. The best. Uh, and Julia Jacqueline, I can't compare anybody to Nico Case, but I think if you like Nico Case, you might oh, like this Julia Jacqueline okay. lady. See, you sold it. She's right there. young. Oh, uh, don't let the kids win. I think maybe is the name of the album. That is definitely a song on the album, which is my favorite song. So thanks, Nick. <laughs> Uh, also, so uh, aside from any sort of media things, I went to a dinner party um, at a friend's house, and there were these two giant dogs there, and it was really nice, oh. and they just kept whining for the food. But uh, oh, you know what? That the, makes me feel better that other that people dogs, have, have actually, dinner parties, and their dogs are kind of jack yeah. wagons. You know what's during, funny is that uh-huh. it was three uh, couples, and there was a dog that lived in that house uh, that was attached to the couple and then the other couple brought their own dog over so it was uh-huh. like that the dog could have a dinner party also <laughs> although they didn't eat thankfully well. we had coca vin what's how do you say it coca that sounds right Co- yeah it's french coca vin. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah which is chicken and up in wine. the nose saying <laughs> yes chicken and wine so french is what it is with like bacon in there and mushrooms and oh, oh my god it was good mm-hmm. i feel i feel so fancy for having eaten that and i'm still dreaming about it it was mm-hmm. really tasty that sounds good yeah yeah mm. so that's that's mostly what i've been doing eating listening <laughs> to music that's uh, that's that's where we are it's yeah. winter time i know just hibernate it's hibernate have chicken and wine oh that's all you can do okay well, well, we've got some big things happening. Yeah, we do. Lawrence. We do. So as we mentioned just a hot minute ago when we were talking about this Julia Alvarez book, um, that the big read, Read Across Lawrence, uh, is the month of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little mm-hmm. skirting the line into March because something's happening. Um, but so February 4th at 11 a.m., if you want a copy of this book, 
you can come to the library and we will be giving out um, print copies of hundreds this of book, copies. hundreds of copies. But if you can't get your hands on one, if you if they're all given out when you get there or you just can't make it, um, we have this book on Hoopla mm -hmm. and also, where, is Total, also books? Total Books. So we have a couple of digital um ways to get a hold of this book so if you uh if you have hoopla or um total books if you have a lawrence public library card or if you're listening where your library has those um you might be able to to find those books there too so so we've got it both digitally and in print um mm -hmm. and then so the whole month, I'm not going to bore you with everything. We'll put it in the show notes. We're going to be having all kinds of activities related to the book programming. And then um, and then on March 5th, mm -hmm. Julia Alvarez will be at the Lead Center in Lawrence, Kansas at 7 p.m. So It's a Sunday. That's a Sunday. So there's your plans. Mm -hmm. Sleep in a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you're like me and you need to take a disco nap in the afternoon yeah. if you have to go out and do anything. That's fine. Get your disco nap in, mm -hmm. but you won't want to miss this because she's she's amazing. What else we've got? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Well, we've got a fun thing coming up uh, that happens to be during February, but not related to Read Across Lawrence. But uh, it's Recharge Your Book Club. Ooh, uh -huh. It's going to be fun. On February 9th, which is a Thursday, um, at the Cider Gallery. Yes. At 7, 7 p.m. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's um, on Pennsylvania Street, something like 810 Pennsylvania, I something think. Something or 801 Pennsylvania. You'll see You'll it. You'll see it. It's a, <laughs> it's We're a the large, worst. But yeah, I know, really. I know. The worst. You turn on the street. Mm. Uh, but what we're doing is there's going to be a uh, special, wonderful book club guru guest, Becky Spratford, who is from Chicago. Chicago. Mm -hmm. And she's going to come and tell you how to either spruce up a book club that might be sort of waning a little bit or give you some tips on how to maybe start your dream mm -hmm. book club or how to handle all of the little issues that pop mm -hmm. up in a book club you know that's um if you have someone who like just never reads the book what do you do mm -hmm. someone just constantly talks with their mouth full of food what do you do right that sort of thing is that one gonna be covered no i'll make sure yeah. i'll ask her I'll, if she can cover that yeah. one I could but, be that person. I mean, you know, you want to handle these things. You don't want to just like spit in their cocktail and give it to no. the person. Be rude. I mean, that's just a little passive aggressive. <laughs> like you just want to handle these yeah. things, but it's hard. It is. I mean, maybe you've been with this person in your book club for like twelve years now. Yeah, they've been pulling the same shenanigans. Oh, Becky's yes. gonna help you out. Mm -hmm. She'll Becky's be good. Help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll have some uh, appetizers there for free, mm -hmm. and there'll be a cash bar. And we'll give away uh, copies of advanced reader, yeah. advanced reader copies of some books that are coming up. Yeah. So um, please RSVP with Polly yeah. if you'd like to come. Their spaces are limited. So yeah. if you hear this, call Polly Hit or me email. Up. Yeah. Hit me up. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the last thing? Squad goals. I'm going to talk about squad goals real fast. Real fast. So, you know, everybody has their own book challenge. Book Riot has mm -hmm. one that we did last year. It seems like everyone's doing a book challenge. Well, the library has a book challenge. Squad goals book challenge. And the so, book squad. Um, we only, I think there's only, is it? 13. 13, which is, you know, actually pretty manageable number. Yeah. Like, like Book Riot. It was like 26. Book Riot was hardcore. Yeah. 
So, and I still love it, but that was a little hardcore. But if you if you need to, to step back for a little bit because you have other stuff you need you need to watch the West Wing. You do maybe. need to, yeah. So, um, you know, had to have some chicken and wine. So you need to do you just need to do a little less. So we've got that, and and we've got you covered. We've got lists. If you don't know what to read in each of the categories, you can access our lists. We're doing displays. Mm-hmm. We'll make it real easy for you to read thirteen books this year. And one of them is reread a book you haven't read in five years. So uh, that's going to be like bam. Easy. Yeah, maybe you could reread The Color Purple. I will because I I reread it. I used to reread it every single year. Has it been five years though? It might. It might be. Well, you have to figure that out. I know. It has to be shame, shame. But I'm gonna. I think I will reread it actually. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. One of them you could do, and you already know what you're doing. Sold. Well, I think that's all for this month's podcast. That's all. All right. Good one. Happy reading. Happy reading. And that's it for this episode of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit reader.ku.edu forward slash book squad podcast. Our amazing Book Squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Nick Carswell, and this has been a production of Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network. Mm-hmm.